Hello, and welcome to Clerkship Ready Pediatrics, a podcast aimed at helping you excel in your clinical clerkship in pediatrics. I'm Dr. Rachel Moon. I'm a professor of pediatrics at the University of Virginia. Today, we're going to talk about what you need to know before your first well child check. You're likely to spend some time in a practice or clinic where you'll see babies and children for checkups, or what we call well child checks. We start seeing infants very frequently and then space out the visits. After the newborn period, we start out every two months, then go to every three months, then every six months, then once a year. The visits are often timed with vaccines or when we need to check the child's growth, development, or certain lab tests, such as hemoglobin and lead at one year of age, vision and hearing at four to five years of age, or lipid screening at nine to 11 years of age. We'll have separate podcast episodes to discuss the newborn checkup and the adolescent visit. We usually do our first check a few days after the child is after the baby is discharged from the hospital. We'll see the baby very frequently at that point until the baby is demonstrating good weight gain. We'll then start seeing them at two weeks and or one month of age. Then we begin the two month intervals until six months. So two months, four months, six months. Then we go to three month intervals. 9, 12, 15, and 18 months. After that, we see them at six-month intervals, 24 months or two years, two and a half years, and three years. After that, unless there are ongoing issues, we usually see children once a year. Before you go into the patient's room, you need to review the patient's chart. If the patient has any medical conditions, developmental concerns, is on any medications, or if there are concerns that have been discussed at prior visits, you should know that before you go into the room. You want to review what vaccines, lab tests, and developmental surveys need to be done at this visit. If the child is not up to date on vaccines, you may need to catch them up on vaccines. Review the developmental milestones a child should have met at this age. Different practices use different developmental screening tests. Commonly used ones include the CDC developmental milestones and the ages and stages questionnaire, or ASQ. So you'll use whatever your practice is using. Many practices also use the Modified Checklist for Autism in Toddlers, or MCHAT, to do autism screening at 15 months and or 30 months. Many practices have the parents complete these questionnaires while they're waiting to be seen, but in other practices, you'll need to go through these questionnaires with the parent. You'll want to review the growth chart. You will look at the height and weight for every child. For those who are younger than two years, you'll also look at the, growth, uh, at the head circumference. If the head circumference is normal, then this is an indication that the brain is growing well. For children who are older than two years, you'll also look at the body mass index or BMI. For all of these growth parameters, look at both the absolute percentile and the trend. If the child is not following a growth curve, that could indicate a medical problem. For example, if the head circumference is growing too fast, that could be an indication that there's hydrocephalus. If the height is growing too fast or slow, we worry about an endocrine problem as a possibility. If the child is not gaining weight, you'll have to think about caloric intake, a GI problem, an endocrine problem, or a renal problem. Now you're ready to go into the room. So at every visit, you will introduce yourself to the parent and the child. If the child is old enough, you can start by asking the child the questions. I usually ask the child, Do you want to tell me how you're doing, or do you want your dad or mom to to tell me? You'll start by asking how the child is doing and if there are any concerns or questions. 
For each of these concerns and questions, determine if that's something you're already going to ask about in the course of the regular well child history, which I'll talk about next. Or if it's not, then you're going to get focused information. So for example, if there's a rash, how long has it been there? What have they used to treat it? Has the child had it before? Some people choose to deal fully with the concern in that moment. Others will deal with it later in the visit. If you do deal with it later in the visit, just don't forget. You'll also follow up on any outstanding issues from the past. Some examples might be asthma control, visits to subspecialists that were recommended in the past, interval emergency room visits or labs, or behavioral changes that were discussed. Then you're going to talk about diet. You'll want to know what the child is taking in, how much, and how often. In the first year of life, babies will get most of their nutrition from either human or breast milk or formula. They start with one to two ounces every two to three hours, then gradually increase to about 32 ounces a day. At around six months of age, we start babies on what we call solid foods with basically pureed foods. They usually start an iron-fortified cereal and then move on to fruits, vegetables, and meats. We start with one food every few days to make sure that there's no reaction. At six months, we also usually start them on some type of peanut product, such as smooth peanut butter, to decrease the chance of developing a peanut allergy. At one year of age, if the child is formula-fed, we usually switch over to whole cow's milk. They need the whole milk because there's extra fat in that, and they need that for brain growth. If the child is breastfed, the child can continue on with breast milk or switch to whole cow's milk. We recommend two to three cups a day of whole cow's milk for adequate calcium and vitamin D. But you don't want too much because that can cause problems with iron deficiency anemia, both because milk has low iron content and the calcium in the milk can inhibit iron absorption. At two years of age, we switch from whole milk to either 2% or skim milk. So you do want to talk about milk and you want to ask what type of milk because some parents may be feeding their child plant-based milk, which has fewer calcium, fewer nutrients such as calcium and vitamin D than cow's milk does. You want to ask about juice and sugar-sweetened beverages. In general, in addition to water, in addition to milk, we recommend water as the main source of uh, liquid um, because sugar-sweetened beverages can increase the caloric intake and also cause tooth delay, tooth decay. You're going to ask about sleep. How much is the child sleeping? Are there any problems? Usually by the time the child is six months of age, they're starting to sleep for longer periods of time, and some will even sleep for six to eight hours in a stretch. In the first year of life, when the child is at risk for sudden and unexpected death, you'll also want to ask about safe sleep. So ask about the baby's sleep position and sleep location. With elimination, you're going to ask about problems with urination or with bowel movements. Beginning at age two, you can also ask how toilet training is going. Most children will become toilet trained between two and three years of age. With regards to development, ask about those appropriate developmental milestones that you reviewed before you went into the room. Social history. Who lives in the household? Who takes care of the child during the day and night? Does the child attend school? How about daycare? If the child is in school, you can ask the child about their school. What's the name of their school? What grade are they in? What kinds of grades do they get? You can ask them about their teacher or their friends. You can ask them about their favorite subjects and what they like best in school. 
With regards to activities, you want to know what the child is doing when they're not in daycare or school. Are they getting exercise? We recommend that they get some exercise for at least 30 minutes a day. How much screen time do they get? We recommend no more than two hours a day. And does anybody in the house smoke? We obviously don't recommend that anybody smoke. With regards to safety, depending on age, this discussion may include information about car seats, child-proofing the house, safe gun storage, bike helmets, safe internet use, or bullying. There may be other topics depending on where you live or the season. For instance, water and swim safety may be an important topic. You can take the opportunity to do a lot of anticipatory guidance here. This means providing parents with information about what to anticipate in the next few months and how they can keep their child healthy and safe. You want to ask if the child has been to the dentist yet. If not, then you may want to consider putting fluoride varnish on their teeth and providing them with a list of dentists in the community. How often do they brush their teeth? We recommend two times daily. You want to review medications and allergies for the child, and you also want to review the growth chart with the family. So now you're ready for the physical exam. So here are a few hints. If there's an area of concern that is brought up by the family, you want to pay special attention to that in the exam. You want to pay attention to what the child is doing when you're talking to the parents. You can often get a good sense of the child's developmental capabilities and even much of the neuro exam just by observation. In children, depending on their age, you may not be able to do the exam head to toe. For school-aged children, you can usually start with the head and make your way down, but you often can't do that with younger children. So here are my recommendations. First of all, don't make the child move if they're comfortable. You can do a lot of the exam while the child is sitting on the parent's lap. Take advantage of when the child is quiet to listen to the heart and lungs. I usually start with the heart and lungs and then move to the abdominal exam. I then go to the head and neck exam. I usually save the ear exam for the end because that can be the most traumatic for the child. If the child starts crying, that's a good opportunity to look in that mouth and the the throat. Also, depending on the age, you shouldn't do a genital exam unless unless you're chaperoned. We'll talk about adolescent privacy and addition and additional questions for adolescents in that episode. After the exam, if you haven't already done so, this is a good time to let the parents know what else needs to be done at the visit. This includes vaccines, blood tests, or other tests such as vision and hearing that will be done. You'll also need to do some anticipatory guidance. If there are any things that came up during the visit that need to be addressed, you can do that now. You can also remind them of guidance that you provided earlier in the visit. You want to answer any last questions and remind them of when their next visit is. Once you come out of the room, you can prepare for your oral presentation. In your oral presentation, you'll start with the child's age, sex, any brief pertinent medical history if there is any, and what they're here for. You'll then go through your list of elements that you discussed, When you get to the physical exam, you can start with a general statement of the child's appearance, present the vital signs and growth parameters, then present the exam head to toe, even if you didn't do the exam head to toe, and with your assessment and plan. Here's an example. Jackie is a five-year-old girl with a history of moderate persistent asthma who's well-controlled on inhaled steroids and albuterol, and she's here for her five-year-old checkup. 
The mother has no concerns, but is asking how long she needs to take the steroids. She's not had an episode of wheezing in more than one year. She has no coughing. And the mother states that she's not required any albuterol in more than six months. Jackie's diet is well-balanced. She's a little picky, but she eats from all food groups. She drinks two to three glasses of skim milk a day, but she also drinks one to two glasses of juice or soda a day. She doesn't have any problems with her bowel movements or urination, and she's fully toilet trained. She sleeps from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. daily, and she doesn't have any problems with sleep. She speaks in full sentences, and I can understand everything she says. She can draw a square for me and can hop on one foot. She just started kindergarten, and she has a best friend. She lives with her mom and two younger siblings in an apartment. Her grandmother takes care of her after school while her mom is at work. She likes to play outside, but her mom and grandmother worry about her asthma, and so don't let her run around too much. So she watches TV or plays on the computer for two hours every day. With regards to safety, she doesn't have a bike. There are no guns in the home. She has a booster seat for the car. On physical exam, Jackie is talkative and happy. Um, she is, um, her vital signs are normal for age, and her height, weight, and BMI have all been trending at the 75th percentile. Her AT&T exam is normal. She has no adenopathy. Her lung exam is normal, and I didn't hear any wheezing. She has no murmurs on her heart exam. Her abdomen is soft and non-distended. I deferred the genital exam until we can do it together. She has no skin rashes. So in assessment, I think that Jackie is a healthy five-year-old child who's growing and developing normally. We talked about um, eliminating the sugar-sweetened beverages from her diet. We also talked about how her asthma shouldn't limit her play. I did have a question about whether she, we should continue the inhaled steroids. Her vaccines are up to date. I talked to mom about the flu vaccine, and so she'll get that today. She'll get vision and hearing screening today as well. And then we can see her back in one year. So that's it. You've made it through your first well child check. I hope that you take the opportunity to see infants and children of different ages during your outpatient time, because you'll really get a good idea of how different children are at these different ages. So thanks for listening to Clerkship Ready Pediatrics. I hope you found today's podcast helpful. Don't forget to subscribe below and rate the podcast.